Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm this holiday season. Be careful and have a good time. If you find yourself needing legal representation, you're going to want the best in East Tennessee representing you. Marcos Garza and his team have been serving East Tennessee for a long, long time. He is East Tennessee's premier DUI defense lawyer, handles criminal law and personal injury as well. 865-540-8300. Once again, 865-540-8300. GarzaLaw.com. You can either go to the website and chat with someone, or you can call that number, 865-540-8300, any time of day, 24-7, to get help, to get some advice, to talk to a representative. Before you say guilty, say Garza. We appreciate Marcos and his team for their support. Let's get to the episode. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. <laughs> but I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. Eleven in a row. Eleven in a row. Eleven in a row. Enough. Eh, eh, 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch coming at you Thursday, December 9th. Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. Good to hear your voice as per usual. Always a good time when I get to talk to you. Are you having a uh, good December so far? I can't complain. I can't complain. We are only, what, 16 days away from Christmas, which seems a little absurd. It's right around the corner. Our second COVID Christmas. Is this year still a COVID Christmas? Well, I think they're trying to make it one. You know, you got people telling us who we can and can't have over for Christmas. and I haven't seen that. I mean, maybe I just haven't watched any news the last year. Like last year, last year I watched a lot of news. And this year I haven't. And, you know, I feel like my happiness has been at least a little bit better. And I'm unaware of these things that you speak of. Yeah, this is, I've, I've read... I've, I cut back on the news as well. But yeah, I saw the Surgeon General and Fauci talking about it. And it's just like, man, like people aren't going to listen to you this year. Like it's, it's done. It's over. Like, I, like, like the amount of adults who are at least have one shot is really, really high. So, you know, good luck trying to get people not to do Christmas. I didn't even know that there was a movement for it, but okay. Yeah, Omicron. Omicron's coming. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. I guess I would rather have watched the news than watched Tennessee play Texas Tech the other night. That was much like a COVID news special. Waiting for, like last year when we were waiting for the news briefings. What are the updates? Are we going on shutdown? Are things locking down? That was kind of the equivalent of watching Tennessee-Texas Tech 
on Tuesday night. Just painful, dreadful, no good, bad, not fun. Not any fun at all. Not any fun at all. Not any fun at all. I mean, just... I did have a little fun when Josiah made the three to tie the game. And and for the brief half a second when Vescovy shot his three that I thought it might go in for the win. That yeah, was this, this is how I know that at the end of the day, no matter how jaded I become, no matter how sick I get of like a particular UT team, it's like, no matter what, like I'm still just a normal fan because I just knew that his three at the end of regulation was going in. I knew it was going in. I knew it was going to go in. Of course, it didn't go in. And it was an act of God that Josiah's three went in somehow after we just, I mean, I, like it, it really ended perfectly like Josiah made that three to give us hope. And then overtime happened. Vescovy missed his shot by about a foot and a half. I didn't feel like he was close. It wasn't close. He could have driven into the, uh, and he could have driven to the line. He could have driven to the rim because, for whatever reason, Texas Tech shot the ball with like eight seconds left. Yeah, really dumb by them. A horrible offense. <laughs> like, what were they doing? Like, even if they make it, they gave us time to get a shot. Yeah, really dumb. Maybe they thought like, "Hey, we we're a good offensive rebounding team. We can get some offensive rebounds." But really, really stupid. Really, really dumb. And of course, we couldn't make them pay. No. Um, Got an open look. Did you want to see a timeout? Did you want to see Chandler go to the rim? Are you content with the open Vescovy so, three? So, I actually, like, I only like a timeout there if they are, like, if when you're, like, I only like an offensive timeout there. Obviously, it has to be an offensive timeout. I only like a timeout there if, like, you're out of sorts. Well, we, we were very, very close to getting the ball stolen from us. On that last possession, I feel like uh, when Josiah, it was either Josiah passed to Chandler or Chandler passed to Josiah. Whoever passed it to the guy that then passed it to Vescovy almost got the ball stolen there. Yeah, I can't even remember. I guess I should phrase it like if we were just dribbling the ball around in circles at the top of the key, yeah, I would I would like a timeout. If you're just kind of stagnant in the half court, but I kind of like just like playing the fast break, playing the transition there. Um, it's not like Barnes goes offense for defense. So like the guys who were in the game at the end on defense were the guys he wanted on offense as well. He did a little bit. He did one time. He put in Meshack one time. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even notice Meshack went in the game. He put it because my dad was like, who is that? And I'm like, huh? And I look and I'm like, that's Meshack. And he's like, well, why is he in the game? I was like, well, he's – we were fouling. I was like, he's coming out. I was like, they're just doing offense defense. So that's the only time I noticed it. In overtime, I assume? I, I don't even remember. That's not to say your point is correct. Like, um, but I didn't mind not calling a timeout. I think that – if anything, he probably should have driven because, from what I remember, the lane was wide open. Like he had a yeah. still, he had a wide open seam to the basket. Um. Yeah, yeah, would have been a. Uh, you know, you could have at least have gotten fouled. Yeah, would have been a tough finish for him. It's not like anybody would have caught the ball and finished it if he tried to pass it to him anyway. So, no. I think we all would take a wide open Vescovy three. Yeah, actually, I don't hate the shot. It's just like since he missed it, you know, he could have driven. But, no, I would take that shot again happily. Um, but as always with Vescovi, Vescovi, like he's either hot or not. And, man, when he is not, like you said, he just misses badly. Yeah, 
Yeah. And it wasn't, I mean, Powell's shots, Powell's threes weren't even close. Like, Powell's threes were awful, too. Like, you know, for all the grief that Josiah James has gotten, and, you know, he hasn't been good. He's the whipping boy of the team so far. His threes weren't badly off like uh, Santiago and Justin's were. Like, their threes were not even close. Like, Josiah's, he just can't make a three to save his life, but they're not, like, ugly. I mean... He can't do anything offensively. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he's been a black hole. But, like, at least his threes weren't just, you know, careening off the rim and, like, echoing to the sound of clangs like the other two were. So how do you feel coming out of that game? Tennessee 6-2. and two. I maintain that really, I mean, if you look at it, it feels like we have been uh, – Good, then bad, then good, then bad. Like, it doesn't seem like we can play two straight games of good basketball. We started the season off on a bad note against UT Martin. Responded pretty well against Tech, or I guess ETSU it was. ETSU, excuse me. And then, you know, have rotated bad game and good game ever since. Yeah, I find myself completely disgusted with the team. Um, Oh, wow. It was like... You know, it was just one game, and I don't want to make too much of one game or whatever, but, like, it was totally unwatchable. It was just, like, it was complete garbage basketball, which makes it, like, three years in a row that Barnes has had a team that is unwatchable, and I know that this is a redneck take because it is one game, but a team that is as good as we hoped UT was going to be does not lose that game, okay? All UT had to do was hit their free throws and they win the game. Like, forget about the threes. Like, everyone forgets about the threes if they win. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, all you had to do was win. And if you just hit your free throws, you win the game. Like, it was, it was that simple. They were at one point eight of 15 from the free throw line and they went into overtime. Like, it, I, like, like, that was tilting me throughout the game more than anything else. Other than other than every time Josiah pulled up for a three, I got angry. Because he just wasn't hitting them. And, like, there has to be something wrong with his wrist because he's a better shooter than this. You know. Well, God, I would hope so. He's proven that before. He's like, shooting 12% on the year, Seth. You know, he's, three he's, of nev- 20, he's 3 of 25 from 3. He's never going to be as good as we had hoped he was going to be, and that's fine. You know. No, no, no. Three of 25 from three, Seth. Yeah, I mean, like, he needs to get the surgery. Three of 25. Uh, credit to him for shooting 25 times. <laughs> he hasn't lost He hasn't lost the confidence. You know. Is, is, is it the risk because, like, last year he went down to 30% from three? Like, his – I guess sophomore season, he was up to 36.7%. That's really, really acceptable. I would kill for him to be able to shoot that right now. Oh, yeah. If he shot that right now, we win the other night. 36.7 from three, like, that. that's phenomenal. And then it went down to 30. And then, last, you know, this year it's down to, uh, again, 12. Yeah. Maybe it's all mental. No, I mean, to me, I don't think it's mental. To me, I think it's like it's, it's, it has to be at the wrist. Yeah. I mean, I assume it's the wrist. Do we think he pulls a Lamonte anytime, or uh, like we confident he finishes the season out? Because I was under the impression he was going to be out the rest of conference play at the least, 
And the next thing I looked up, he's there back playing against Colorado. That's what, yeah, that's what it, the word was, was that he was like, they were trying to decide on surgery, and if it needed surgery, he was going to miss the rest of December, but he was going to be back for conference play. Then it came out, you know, okay, well, he doesn't need surgery, and he's back in the lineup. He does not seem to me like someone that is going to do what Lamonte did. Like, obviously, he's going to, you know, he... He's going to gut it out and play, because he's still... He's still giving he's still giving us things on defense. Like I still think he's important for rebounding and steals and blocks. Like I do think he's still I still think he's been a good player for us. It's just he can't score. You know, and like he gets a lot of grief and some of it at times is deserved, but like I don't think anybody can come away like not thinking like that he doesn't love to play for UT and like he really wants to win. You know, like, he guts it out, and he plays hard, and he's very, very likable. Um, He doesn't seem to me that kind of guy. He just can't shoot at all, and it is, at times, killing the offense. Luckily for him, everyone was atrocious on offense the other night. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he he's the guy that got scapegoated because he's the one who, you know, basically has the the play that sums up the game, which is him falling on a fast break dunk. Yep. So, I mean, he's he's going to be the one that makes people upset. And again, he is shooting 12% from three, but everyone was pretty shitty on offense. Everyone was horrid. Every There was not a single player that was even decent on offense. Not a single one. Like like I said, like, like all you had to do was make free throws. Like, even Vescovy couldn't hit his free throws. Is it Texas Tech's length? Is it just a bad shooting night that maybe is... Well, see, that's what that's what bothers me the most about the game. Is that, like, there's going to be other teams that are 6'6 to 6'8. Yeah. One of them resides in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. There's going to be a lot more teams like that. And if it's this, like, no, not everyone's going to be as elite on defense. Because Mark Adams is an elite defensive mind. But other teams might not be, like, as great defensively, but they're going to have better athletes than Texas Tech has. And they'll be able to score more offensively. And they'll be able to score. Texas Tech could have easily blown blown us out in that game with the way we played offensively, but they let us hang around because they, too, could not hit a shot or make a free throw. Yeah, like, even, like, I thought at times their shot selection was horrible, too. They took long two after long two. But Tennessee's been pretty good so far this year, apparently, at forcing long twos. Villanova shot a a lot of them, too, I remember. Yeah, I feel like Tennessee is really, really, really good defensively. Which is kind of surprising because I don't feel like we have like any rim protection, really. So, I mean, I, I, Granted, Fulkerson had, uh, what, four or five blocks on, on Tuesday, but it didn't seem like any of them were like really at the rim. No, like, it's weird because I felt like at times his defense was really, really – like he had some great like timely blocks – but he's not going up and like blocking them. Yeah, like he's coming from the weak side, or he's yeah. Like they behind. were, they like, were like, they were really good plays, and like we as a whole were just awesome defensively. But we don't have a rim protector. But we do seem to be amazing defensively. We'll see. I'm not going to say we're amazing defensively. So th- so far through eight games, we've been pretty good. But I don't think Texas Tech is. Uh, no, they're not. Good, they're you know, not a very good test. They're not. Um, is it litmus? Litmus? What is it? Litmus? Litmus. Litmus test, yeah. With an M or an N? M. M? Okay, litmus test. As in Molly, yeah. Um, the, 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 what worries me and what has me the most down on this team is like their length. And if that is the blueprint, then it's pretty easy 
to like yeah UT is going to have games where they knock down more threes but like I, I see I, I don't buy that we couldn't do anything else like I don't think we have anybody on our team that can do anything other than Kenny Chandler getting to the rim like I feel like everything is predicated around that I don't even think we have anybody that can go to the mid range and get their shot yes Ziggler can get to the rim as well but. I don't feel like when he gets there, he's really creating for other people. I feel like it's him just trying to go there and score. Chandler got you know created a bunch of open threes for us, and I had no problem with us continuing to shoot them because maybe there's something to the ball there. Maybe there's something to the rims. I don't know. Every team that played on Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden was terrible offensively, so it wasn't just us. But, you know, who else are you giving the ball to and saying create offense? It can't be Josiah. I don't like the Fulkerson straight post-ups like – I don't think that's a good oh, no, recipe. No, that, no, that was no terrible. Vescovy just wants to shoot deep threes. It's not like he's really getting in the lane creating for people unless it's like kind of he, – whenever he gets like a kickout pass and has a defender moving, like he can get by them and then create. But like it's not like he's beating somebody straight off the dribble usually. So I don't know what else they can do other than like Chandler drives and tries to set up threes. And my, like my thing is I don't necessarily disagree with you. I just think that like – not to like bring him up again, but like Nate Oates would have found something else to do. Like that was my kind of thing. Like I don't have a problem either with just shooting threes over and over and over. But at some point, when you are two of thirty, do you not just try to do something else? Like there's a lot of good coaches in America that wouldn't have just accepted the fact that we couldn't do anything else. Like they would have tried something. I guess that's what bothers me. And maybe they maybe they would have tried something else and nothing would have worked. I don't know. Look, people know that I have canceled Rick Barnes. Unlike you, I did not uncancel him. You bent the knee and begged for his forgiveness. I haven't. But I didn't come out of that game very mad at him for really anything other than, like, I don't understand why Oroch is getting 10 minutes a game. I really oh, I, I wasn't mad at him either. I wasn't mad at him either. I didn't think anything about that game was his fault. Because Every minute that Oroch gets should go to Hunley Hatfield. Like, we gotta we got to bring him along because we have to have a big man down low that can catch the ball and dunk. 1,000% agree. I like, I think Huntley Hatfield should be taking all of his minutes and some of Kamala's. And really some of every big man's minutes. Fulkerson, everyone, he should be taking their minutes. Yeah, Fulkerson playing 36 seemed a little steep too, but I guess it was an overtime game. But that's that seems a little too steep. Yeah, it is. Um, like, he needs to take all three of the big man's minutes. Eurosh, like, Eurosh to me is summed up in that one play that became a loose ball on the court. And we had the possession arrow. And it was easily our ball they dove on the floor and like Eurosh by the time that dude dove on the floor and got the ball Eurosh is just in the act of bending over like it was just so slow and it's just like he's like that gave we got we kept the ball because the possession arrow but we lost the possession arrow and it's like that should have been our ball easily like he like Huntley Hatfield needs to be playing all of his minutes he needs to be playing Kamwa again like is a no-show yeah, Kumbwa had a couple good moments against bad teams, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be a big-time contributor on this team. No, and, you doesn't know. Like he's ready for the moment. Like, maybe I'm wrong, but, like, he still can't finish around the rim. No, he just misses bunnies, man. He yeah. misses easy shots. Yeah. Like, Huntley Hatfield needs to be taking all three of their minutes. But, to me, the main takeaway for me why I am down on the team is the length of Texas Tech and the fact that they don't exactly have a novel team. A lot of teams are going to have that length. And it's going to be fine if Tennessee's hitting open threes, but like. See, I I, I, kind of disagree when you're talking about the length just because I don't care if the rest of the team was lengthy, but like I just don't think they're going to have 
a lot of teams that can throw that length at Chandler as well. Like where every guy is six five or bigger, pretty much. Like wasn't that the status that they started guys that were six five or bigger? Pretty I much think the every entire guy starting lineup. I know that like every starting every starter was six six or six eight. Okay, so like I know those like there's going to be length in big time basketball. I get that, but like Chandler six foot, and you know that's really tough to overcome. Where every switch you're getting put out there with five guys five or six inches longer than you, and again when you get by them and you get the double team at the rim, you can't trust on any of your big guys to catch it and finish so I would like to see Chandler be a little bit more aggressive a little bit more Trey Youngie like yeah I wish he would shoot more yeah like he's gonna my big critique and maybe this could go back to Barnes maybe it's just Chandler wants to be a point guard and you know has played on talented teams in high school and doesn't really have this in him just yet but like when you got the uh the defender kind of sacking off and he's 6'6 trying to like make sure you don't drive by him like you got to be willing to shoot that walk up three, three or four feet behind the line. You have to be willing to take that. And he hit it with, like, in the in the, in the overtime after we're down six. Yeah, like, shoot that shot a couple more times. Like, you're going to have to hit a couple of those. Like, you're undersized against some of these guys. And, again, like, Trey Young does it. Like, he kind of stretches the defense out, makes them guard him a little bit further. And that extra half a step can be the difference between him getting by and, and not getting by defenders. Yeah, in an ugly game like that, like, I mean, ugly doesn't really do it justice, but you know what I mean? Like, I want Chandler having the most shots on the team. Like, I, I like, you know, I mean, I don't want, like, how many threes did Josiah take? Josiah was a 0 of 7 whenever he hit his three to tie the game. That, that made him 1 of 8, and then I want to say he finished 1 of 9. So, you know, I don't know how many Vescovy shot. Ziegler shot, like, 5 or 6. I think Ziegler was one of seven. <laughs> I mean, this is from three, from three. Uh, two of sixteen between them two. Like some of those threes, I want them taken by Chandler. I want shots up by Chandler. He's the best player. I want uh, I want shots up by Pal as well. By the way, if we're not scoring offensively, let's maybe put a guy there that can shoot. Like I know he's on a little bit of a cold streak, but he did just go five for five a couple games ago. Like he he can get hot, especially when Tennessee's not scoring. And it's not like he is a small guy. He is listed at 6'6". Like, when you're playing a long, lengthy team, like, maybe have him out there just for switching on defense as well. I know he might not be a great defender, but I'd rather have him at 6'6 on a guy versus Ziggler at six foot on somebody. Yeah, I didn't understand. Like, yeah, like, he was clearly off the other night, but you let Santiago, like, shoot through it. You let Ziegler kept. Like, Ziegler kept putting shots up, and it's like Powell was nowhere to be found in the second half. Uh, now that was Kamwa, which was nice, but, like, Powell, like, you let him shoot through that. I don't think he's that bad on defense either. I needed an explanation as to why, like, he's, like, in the doghouse because uh, I get, like, he might not be as good as I'm acting, but he's better than, like, what the minutes he's getting right now. Yeah, for sure. He's 100% better than the minutes he's getting. Um... Like, I don't think Huntley Hatfield played any in the second half. I mean, if he did, I mean, he, he only played eight minutes in the game, right? Or isn't or is that? I don't, know. I don't know. I just remember in the second half. That might have been, Pal, that might have been Powell's numbers, but Huntley Hatfield didn't get more than, like, I want to say he got around eight as well. Yeah, I mean, if Powell only got eight minutes in the game, that's pitiful. Powell got eight. Uh, according to ESPN's box score, Powell got eight to Bailey's 20. And uh, Huntley Hatfield got four minutes. Sorry, not eight, four. Vic Bailey... I thought he looked pretty good on D. Okay, I mean, that's... that's Normally, like, normally I get really mad whenever I see Bailey on the court. 
And I didn't mind him as much the other night. I think he even, didn't he hit a couple shots? No, he hit one shot. He was one of six, all from three. <laughs> did he hit his, like, very first three? I think he, I don't think it was his first, but he was, when like, in the first half when we couldn't score, he did, like, kind of, like, try to hit one and get us going, but then he missed, like, the next. So I missed, like, the first eight minutes of the game. He was one of six from three. Chandler was one of five. Vescovy was two of ten. Uh, these are all from three. Ziggler, one of seven. Josiah, one of eight, and uh, Powell, 0 for 3. Yeah, I think when I came back from my neighbor's house, Bailey had just knocked down that three. I don't know. I thought he looked pretty good on D. I didn't really mind him as much as I normally do. Normally, he makes me so mad. Um, But, like, I don't know, man. Every single player was terrible offensively. It it, just, uh, yeah, like, I, uh, it just doesn't seem like Barnes really – adds anything to the team during the game. I'm not saying anything about his coaching, like his system or anything. It just seems like I, I don't really feel like on game day for those 40 minutes that he is doing much to like elevate Tennessee. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like I never see like, oh, look at this adjustment we made and now we're doing something different. Or, oh, wow, these are great rotations. It seems like we have to overcome him on game day. He might be great during the week and – Whatever, but it just I feel like we have a disadvantage almost every time. It's kind of like strategy versus tactics. Right. Like it's been a long up. time. It's been a long time since I like we've been confident about him getting like a getting us a bucket out of a timeout or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, what did we do the other night? It was like we went zone for a little bit on defense. Like that wasn't the issue. I mean, we were they we were really good on defense the other night. So you know that wasn't. But like that's what I was kind of saying. Like there was nothing we could have done offensively. Like Schwartz is supposedly a genius. Like, he couldn't scheme up anything for us to do on offense to just, like, get someone an open shot. or like We, we had one field goal in 10 minutes. You have to be able to call a timeout and get a, get a bucket. Yeah, and, like, you know, we you know we couldn't hit our free throws. That's been established. But we didn't go nearly enough either. We didn't go the free throw line nearly enough either. Oh. Like, I just didn't – I just didn't think that, like, yeah, like, you know, with their particular personnel, like – they were going to give Chandler issues, and we had to shoot a lot of threes. But, like, there could have been something to do. I mean, my goodness. As Will Warren, a.k.a. 42 to 3 points out, Tennessee did play two good games back-to-back against Presbyterian in Colorado. He is correct. I guess I was uh, looking at Tennessee then. Uh, it's still 4-4, four to four, though, on my breakdown in terms of good games to bad games, but it was at least two in a row. I guess they uh, – right, is that right? UT Martin was coming back performance, Villanova, Tech, and then Texas Tech. Yeah, so I guess the, my every other wasn't true, but the 4-4 four to four does kind of seem to hold out. Yeah, and I mean, like, the Presbyterian, like, I mean, that was Vic Bailey's heat check, right? Like, Vic Bailey couldn't miss against Presbyterian. Wasn't that his the game that he was, like, on That was fire? the game Powell was 5-5 five of, five of two, so, like, I don't know if Bailey did it as well. Um, I just remember laughing to myself after one of, like, because right after we had one of our recent podcasts where I just – Felt like I thrashed BB Jr. He went off the next game. But, yeah, I mean, like, Presbyterian doesn't count. Like, it was somebody that, like, has a pulse where the blood is still running hot. The the blue hose of Presbyterian don't count. But, I mean, the Colorado win was nice, so that's cool. Colorado win was nice, and that might be one that holds up. And North Carolina's looking better. So, like, it's a long season. There's still things to – I mean, Tennessee's still, like, Tennessee still, still got two quad one wins. Tennessee still got two quad one wins. They should have three. Hopefully they use this upcoming week of games to uh, 
get Humley Hatfield some minutes and figure some things out before you play Memphis. Let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. If you want to sign up, you get access to the Discord. Uh, Seth, are you going to the Memphis game? I am. Are you going to meet up with us before the game? Yeah. Why are you laughing? Like That's so like crazy to think that you might stand us up. I will see my brothers. Big patron meetup before the Memphis game. It's going to be an early morning for you, Seth. I will be surprised if you get there, but we'll see. New $10 patron, Brother Matt Krebs. <laughs> Shout out to Brother Matthew Krebs. A, uh, a good man, a good friend. I'm glad he has joined the Discord. I love you, Matthew, and uh, thank you for helping feed my children. Love Matthew. Longtime supporter of me, so I was happy to see that email notification as well. Good guy. Let's get to some questions, but yeah, I'm excited to see you. I guess it's this next Saturday, so eight next days Saturday, now, basically. Yes, yep. Well, level of brother, excitement for that game is not very high right now, to be honest. No, 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 it's not. It's not. Kind of sucks. Like neither team might. I guess we'll still be like we'll probably get ranked like somewhere what like in the late teens, like eighteen to twenty somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. Memphis pro- not going to be ranked, so I thought that was going to be a really hot ticket and a bit like a big national showcase game, but it does not feel like that's going to be the case. But I'll still embrace you on Broadway. Brother Tanner, a.k.a. T-Fool, for both best Christmas gift you've ever received. I feel like we answer this every year around Christmas. Maybe not, though. the Son of God coming down to Earth, Tanner. That would be the best Christmas gift ever. I got really excited in 2000 when I got a PlayStation 2. That first PS2. That was, was so fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think I've told the story, but it hurt because I was uh, opening gifts upstairs, getting your typical clothes. You don't really want clothes in fifth grade, you know what I mean? I just get my typical clothes, pouting, sold up, as my mother would say, open all my gifts. I'm like, okay, thanks, Merry Christmas. And as I went to go downstairs, boom, all these other gifts were on the stairs waiting for me, including my PlayStation 2 and Madden. I guess it Madden was it Madden 01 or was it Madden 02? Which, whichever one Eddie George was on the cover of. I think the PlayStation was 2000, but it might have been 2001, I guess. Madden, I had Any Given Sunday on DVD, Final Destination on DVD, because the PlayStation 2 also played DVDs, you know. So like it was a double whammy. I mean, it was a big time. I upgraded from VHS to video games. That was the best gift I ever got. That I felt extra bad because I was being a real asshole before then. Being really mean to my, my parents. Only for them to be able to pull the card out that they had waited at Walmart for, you know, overnight to get the PlayStation when it first came out. Real egg on my face. Big egg on my face. Brother G-Man asks, uh, where baby come from? Is this an inside joke? Guess when you about come tears, I don't know. I was gonna say the store to keep this PG, but that works too. Brother Mason, aka not a troop anymore, who's the worst life performer. He's still a troop. He's still a troop for life, though. Like whenever it comes to Veterans Day, he's still gonna get to stand up, right? It's like, yeah, it's like you know, yeah. You never say he used to be a Marine. He was always, you know, he's a Marine. Not that you know. Mason was a member of the Corps, but, you know, same, same principle holds. We do thank Mason for his service. 
Who's the worst live performer you've ever seen? Who is your answer, Seth? I don't know. I can't think of anybody that has just been absolutely terrible that I have seen before. Okay. I had a couple that came to mind. I, uh... I feel like I told the story about Anthony Hamilton's wife before. We've been doing this podcast a long time. I'm running out of stories. Running out of stories, but I uh, went to see Anthony Hamilton in Chattanooga at a, at a at Riverbend. He was vibing. He was having a good time. Then he let his wife get up there, and then she immediately stopped the show to ask if she could keep it real with us, to which, you know, everyone's like, yeah, go ahead, sister, keep it real. And then she's like, I need to talk about something that's very important to my heart. Child molestation. And then everyone oh, was my. very upset. Everyone killed the mood, to say the least. And then she uh, proceeded to perform a song about child molestation. That killed the vibe. Um, honestly, when I went to the Big Sky Festival, the worst performer I've actually seen, and it's probably not her fault because she's old as shit, but Lou Harris, that was so boring. Yeah. So boring. She just sat there with her guitar and just sang, but wasn't very good. I feel like Emmy Lou is best in like a like a medium sized theater. That's probably true. Love Emmy Lou. Love Emmy Lou. Um, I went to see. He was opening at the time, so it might not be a real indication. But I, I thought when I saw Kendrick Lamar, he wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. I was also a little disappointed by Rihanna when I saw her, to be honest. But uh, those are all openers, so I don't know if it really counts. If we're talking about big names, I guess. Brother Gabe Wall for both. How close is Florida to spiraling into what we've been through as a football program if they miss on the Napier hire? So what do you think about Billy Napier so far? So I guess my question is, is he telling these guys that are committed to go elsewhere? What it seems like, I mean, some of that might be the case. I mean, obviously, we don't, I don't know. I'm not down in Florida. But it seems as if the reports are basically he's trying to get the ones he wants to wait until February because he wants to properly evaluate them all. And he's like, hey, these offers, you can't sign next week because I don't know if you have a spot or not. Will you wait to February? Or just telling some guy straight up, like, you you don't have a spot. Like, I'm not honoring this. I'm not Dan Mullen. So, like, it seems like it's kind of a combination of the two because it seems like after every in-home visit, the person immediately decommits. And, like, some of these guys are, like, top 200 players, so I wouldn't imagine he's telling them get. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like he has other guys he's bringing in. Hell, it's not even like he has a coaching staff right now. He's only got, like, three guys with him right now, and he brought them all from Louisiana. So, like, they're starting completely from scratch. It's not even like when you hire a coordinator that has, like, relationships with, like, prospects that he's been recruiting. Like, this guy's starting from a group five level that, like, I would imagine he's not even recruiting top-level athletes to come to Louisiana because he's not wasting his time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So my childhood best friend sent me a screenshot today of 24-7 sports, and I think Florida... Not Luke, so a childhood best friend. I think that Florida, they are either second or second to last or last in SEC recruiting rankings on 24-7. They were last as... Uh, they're last now. Like, yeah, they've had so many decommitments they're last. They're 14th. So the only player that I've really kept up with, and that I had heard about him for like the first time last week, is that C.J. Smith guy who... Was committed to Florida, but he officially visited Tennessee, and then it seemed like he was going to stick with Florida. Then all of a sudden, he decommitted from Florida, and it's like, okay, he's going to come to Tennessee, and Tennessee, and it doesn't seem like Tennessee really has a spot for him. So, like, Tennessee doesn't really know if he's a take either. 
But I know they have a lot of decommitments. One thing is, is that it seems really stupid to do that. Because, like, people thought that the early signing day wasn't going to end up how it has, which is basically, like, everyone signs. Everyone signs in the early signing day. There's very, very few elite players that don't. I mean, 80 is like, I think it's up to, like, 82, 85%, like, the last couple of cycles of people who have signed in December now. Like, there are some guys that don't sign at certain places. I would think that most of the people still signing in February are, like, the head cases, too. The guys that probably end up back in the portal. I'd like to see a breakdown of that. There are some guys that, you know, don't sign somewhere because, you know, a bigger school is saying, hey, just wait till February and see what happens. Wait till February, and we might have a spot for it. But, you know, the, like... The good players, they nearly all sign in the early signing period. And, like, if you're Napier, well, these guys that Mullen left you might not be what you foresee as being Florida guys, but you have to have a roster. Maybe he plans on just hitting the portal. Like, maybe this is going to end up being bad news for Tennessee because, you know, a month ago, month and a half ago, we thought we were going to have our pick of the litter for the most part when it came to good transfer players. But... I would say now with all the coaching changes, like LSU is going to have good guys coming and going. Florida is going to have good guys going. I would imagine they're going to try to get some guys in as well. Same as USC, same as Oklahoma. Like, I feel like it's going to be a very, very competitive time in the transfer portal for us. Like, didn't Florida's quarterback decommit? Yeah, yeah. Like everybody's decommitted. Yeah, he he was highly rated, right? Right. He was like top two hundred. Like, like, I mean, that's stupid. That's like, if, if Napier is telling that guy that he needs to wait to February to sign, that is dumb. Okay, now it might not matter in the end, and Napier might be really good, but that is dumb because, like, I would be stunned if Anthony Richardson doesn't transfer out. He seemed like a guy destined for the transfer portal. Now, maybe he stays or whatever, but, like, if he leaves, then you have Emory Jones and nobody. You're not going to get a good quarterback. Like, I mean, you can get somebody out of the portal, but like, you had one already committed, willing to come. It's kind of like, why would you tell him to leave? Even if you don't think he's the guy, like, you need bodies. Like, Tennessee showed this year that sometimes you just need bodies, man. Like, like, plan, you know, and, but in terms of the actual question, like, I don't think Florida's anywhere close because, like, Florida can get out of it so quick. That's what I was going to say. They might hit the depths that we hit, but they can bounce out much quicker. Like they're not going to they're, they're not going to spend a decade in it. Like they'll spend 3 years in it at most. There's very few programs that can if any that can bounce out of it quicker than Florida can. So like, you know, especially with the transfer portal like it will be like one he needs one really good class and to get some guys out of the transfer portal and it's like they were never there. I will say I feel better about the Tennessee-Florida situation than I would have imagined last year, you know, at this time of year. Yeah. When we're basically getting ready to get our shit kicked in by them and Kyle Pitts, and they're getting ready to win the East, and we're getting ready to fire Pruitt and have everybody transfer out. Like, I feel a little bit more optimistic about it. The thing is, like, it's not like Tennessee even if Florida recruits poorly this cycle, it's not like Tennessee's going to really outshine them. It's not like we're going to be top three in the SEC. We're going to be like eighth or ninth at best, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. We have proof proof of concept with our offense and, you know, our defense so far. So, like, guys will at least kind of know where they fit in in the transfer portal. So, maybe that's a good thing. But, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, they can bounce back easier. They can bounce back so much easier. And it's just like, I mean. 
I do yeah. like Mario Cristobal being at Miami, though. I do think he, that's going to affect them when it comes to recruiting Florida. I do think he's going to whip Napier's ass recruiting down in Florida. I really wish Florida State would be good, too, man. Yeah. Yeah. Which maybe, maybe like they rebounded enough to kind of get some momentum, but I am I still very think happy. Bell can coach. I'm very happy that Cristobal is at Miami. That should affect Florida, maybe even Georgia a little bit. So that, that that's. Good. I just like. I just think you, we need to see on Napier. I mean, like Corey Raymond, I saw he hired him from LSU. That guy is a dynamite recruiter. Now, I say that, but then that's again. That's the defensive like, backs coach, right, that says he gets credit for eight five stars. I wonder how many of those five stars were from Louisiana. That's what I was going to say. Like, that, that, that was going to be my next statement. Like, yes, he is a dynamite recruiter. Okay, he convinces kids from Louisiana to go play at the flagship University of Louisiana. Okay, there are much tougher sales. And, like, those kids from Louisiana aren't going to go play for, at Florida. They're going to go play at LSU. And if they don't go play at LSU, they go play at Alabama because Saban's the only guy that's ever been able to get people out of Louisiana. So, like, like yeah, he's a really good recruiter, but it's not like it's going to be – it's not like it has been for him. Um, I mean, let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm actually looking at it. So, he gets credit as uh, being the primary recruiter on Derek Stingley, five-star from Louisiana. But then you do have uh, Kevin Tolliver II, a five-star from Florida. He was from Florida, yeah. Eli Ricks, a five-star from Florida. I was about to ask where Ricks was from. Jacoby Stevens, a five-star from Murf- a five-star from Murfreesboro. So I mean, like he has actually gotten out of Louisiana a little bit. Let's see where Ricks goes. If Ricks follows him to Florida, or if Ricks, I know there have been some talk about Ricks going to was like for sure going to go to Georgia. Uh huh. Um. But, I mean, like, Corey Raymond is a good recruiter. Like, yeah, it's, no, it seems he is. And, like, the guys are Louisiana, Texas, and Florida. So those are three states that, like, you would think Florida would still be able to somewhat recruit to. Yeah, like, he's going to get those guys out of Florida, um, which Mullen hadn't been getting somehow. But, like, you know, I mean, it is going to be a different proving ground. But, I mean, he is a dynamite recruiter. Like, you know, so, like, I think, like, Napier doing this is probably stupid. Like, I don't really get it why you would do this with a quarterback. And some of these, I mean, it's like you said, some of these guys are like really highly rated. So we'll I, see. I don't really, we'll I don't see. really understand, but like he, you just, you know, it's too early and like it's Florida. Josh Heupel needs to win that game next year. Yeah, it looms very, very, very large. I didn't know if we'd already be in year two where he needs to beat Florida, but it seems like year two he's already going to be at the situation where he needs to beat Florida. Yeah, because, yeah. Kind of like Bush Jones was. I mean, it's similar to where Bush Jones was in his second year where he had him at home in a game he should have won. And, you know, he lost by one point, obviously, in the Checker Nealon debut. But it uh, seems like Tennessee is going to need to win that game. Yeah, it looms very, very large. So I look forward to uh, choking it away. Yeah, I mean, with that being said, I'm sure we're going to win. Sure, it'll be great. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see what LSU does at quarterback. Gator Gate, we doing Gator Gate next year? Yeah, that'd be the weekend, the week tailgate. I guess that's a good one, right? Yeah, that's the best one. Yeah, I mean, Early like that season. means like we get to have some fun that day. Yeah, like, Gator Gate it is. Go ahead and mark your calendars, patrons. Gator Gate it is. You know, we get to have some. That'll be the only way we get to have fun that day. Gator Gate, lock it in. What's the date on that? I'm sure it's the end of September. You guys got a calendar. Mark it in. Yeah, I mean, I'll figure it out. Maybe Curtle will come get his cooler and his uh, chairs before then. 
because I guess I'm babysitting his, his stuff for him. That's good. Christmas time, Curdle. If you ain't got your stuff by Christmas time, it's mine now. That's the rule. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. Any other questions? Brother Brett, what's one person that everyone loves but you can't help but hate them? Jack Harlow. I don't know if everyone loves him, but you do seem to have a weird disdain for him. Jack Harlow. He should be in prison. I don't know if I have any celebrities like this. I mean, I feel like I was ahead of the curve on hating that James Corden guy, but now everyone hates him. Do people hate him now? Yeah, yeah. I don't really like Jimmy Fallon either, to be honest. I think that I think that might be it. I think that might be my answer, Jimmy Fallon. Luka Doncic. He's fat now, right? He is fat. Not Zion fat. Zion's apparently up to 330, Seth. Uh, is that true? That's what ESPN's Tim McMahon said. Because they were talking about, I think they were talking about Luka being fat and how Luka weighs 260. And then they're talking about Zion and they said he's 260 plus 70. And he said, you do the math. And I can do 260 plus 70. That equals 330. And keep in mind, he's hurt, injured, his leg's not good, his foot's not good, and he's also only six foot six. They said Shaq, when Shaq was at his age, Shaq weighed 325 pounds, and he's half a foot taller. It's so crazy seeing those clips of Shaq at LSU when he's skinny and, like, bringing the ball down the court and, like, running a fast break. And his first couple years, at, you know, with Orlando, he was doing that. Like, he used to be Zion-like level, level athleticism. Zion is 6'6". Six, six. And 330 pounds. He is not 6'9". He is 6'6", six six, 330 pounds. Okay. Uh, man, the Pelicans, what a terrible franchise. Like, even if Zion is good, like, everyone knows in, like, three years he's signing with the Knicks or so that, that, or That's something. what I wonder. Like, is he, like, does he actually have a problem? Is he actually just, like, can, can like... He just not quit eating? Is he like a kid? He's only 21. Like, is anybody going to like step in? Like, I feel like you have to have somebody in your crew that's like, hey, bro, we got to gotta quit doing this. You're going to, like, they put him in a damn Mountain Dew commercial a couple months ago. Like, he's he's on the couch drinking Mountain Dew and like eating pizza. Now he's 330 pounds. I will say that my radar is up a little bit, Sethuel. I do think that maybe they're trying to eat their way out of New Orleans. I think that might be it. I think they're eventually going to blame this on New Orleans. And like their nutritional team and all this, and they're going to use that as fodder to get out of town. I do think that might be the case, because otherwise, like he just is—he just can't control himself. Like he's going to Jamarcus Russell himself. Yeah. Can the NBA not do anything to like help these teams keep these guys in? Because like nobody yeah. wants to see him go to New York or LA. I think everyone wants to see him out of New Orleans. New Orleans is terrible. New Orleans shouldn't get to keep him. I think it's to be the opposite. I think we should get rid of, like, the draft. I think the draft and sports leagues are kind of stupid, actually. Imagine you're Zion. You're stuck there for seven years. Oh, I mean, on a you shitty just franchise. Want, you, just every... sign, you just want them to sign with whoever they want to? I think there should be, like, a pool. I think you should give guys more money. I think, like, the batted teams should maybe get more money to spend. But, yeah, I don't think you should necessarily get rewarded for just being terrible. And then, like, controlling the guy again for seven years. Is that how long they control him? I mean, like, essentially, because, like, they get the, basically get, like, the, the four-year immediate contract, and then, like, it's a restricted free agency where they 
pretty much have the right to match. Like you can't leave. Like you have to basically opt out and take play like one year for really, really cheap before you can become an unrestricted free agent or you just sign your long-term deal and you're stuck for basically seven years. That do, you would not be like how the, do you not like how the NFL draft works? Do you think the same with that? Or I mean, it's a little bit different because rookie contracts there are basically four and a half years. Four years, yeah. yeah I'm like, I, like, I, like, I like how the draft works in the NFL. Sure, sure. I mean, that, that's fine. But like in the NBA, they do try to keep them. Like they, tr- they do try to help the teams keep them. But like, I don't think the Sacramento Kings should get to keep DeMarcus Cousins for seven years while they put a shitty organization around him and ruin his career. That's true, yeah. I don't think, like, Zion Williamson should have to... Like, what they've done the last couple off-seasons is downright criminal. Like, I wouldn't want to stay there for seven years. Imagine if you leave college and, like, got drafted to your job and had to stay there for seven years. It just seems kind of fucked up to me. Yeah. I mean, I get it's different, but, like, seven years is a long time, man. I didn't know it was seven years. I thought it was five. It's well, no, it was like, like four or five. And the other I thought they had, like, a four with an option or something. Well, it is, but it's the team option. And then, like, then you enter restricted free agency... As long as they extend you a qualifying offer, which then means, like, say another team signs them to a four-year deal, their regular team can match that and keep them another four years. Like, they can't leave. It just doesn't seem good for anyone that, like, in the middle of his rookie year, everyone knows he's leaving for New York or L.A. as soon as he can. Mm -hmm. Which maybe that should be – and that should probably be, like, a wake-up call to the Pelicans to get their act together. Well, that's what I would say because, like, yeah, like, maybe these guys are just anomalies – and, like, maybe, like, you know, one guy's not, you know, basically both guys are from out of the country and, like, maybe built different. But, like, I would look at, like, what happened with Tim Duncan and the Spurs and Giannis with the Bucks and say, like, if we do build a good organization around them, they might not leave. Like, some guys will prioritize winning over market. But, like, if you're in a shitty market and you're a loser, like, you can't keep your guy and you shouldn't keep your guy. We'll see what happens. Like, Dame Lillard stayed in Portland, so, like, it has worked before and, like, if I'm a Grizzlies fan, I don't think they're very worried about John Morant. Like, he seems like he'll be there for a while because they got, like, a pretty good team around him. So, like, it's not it's not just, like, small market leave for big market because, in you know, in today's age, like, you can be good anywhere and get yeah. money. Like, there's the internet. It's like, Zion Williamson was famous playing in fucking Rock Hill, South Carolina. So, I think the Pelicans should lose him sooner, especially if no one's going to stop his big ass from getting 330 pounds. My God. I just—it's hard to believe he's that fat. He's six foot six, three hundred thirty pounds. He's a fucking offensive lineman out there. It's hard to believe he's that fat. Like I'm just not buying it. That is so big. I also thought he was like six nine. Well, that's the thing—is he plays like he's six nine because he's so like lengthy and bouncy. But like, if he loses his athleticism, he's going to be terrible. He's like, six I, foot I, six. I just had no idea he was—he was six six. I mean, my goodness. Next question. Brother Marwan, a.k.a. Wheezy, a.k.a. the Palestinian Playboy, which heir to the throne do you hope has the best sports career, Bronny James, Charlie Woods, or Archie Manning? Can I ask a question before we uh, get started? Sure. Why did Marwan, a.k.a. Wheezy, a.k.a. the Palestinian Playboy, not put Alexis Olympia on there? Serena Williams' daughter. Why is she not on there? She's, I mean, she could be good at 
Dennis has, has has so I know that Ronnie James and Archie Manning have have shown some proficiency at their sport of choice. Has Charlie Woods shown any proficiency at his sport at golf? I mean, he plays. I think him and Tiger actually played in a couple weeks. Like Tiger's making a return to do like the father son thing. Like he's hit a couple. He's played. He's hit a couple good shots. Like I don't know like how good he is compared to other people his age or whatever. Like I, I don't know. It seems like both golf and tennis are something that if you come from a rich background with parents that are good, like you could be really good as well. Yes. So like, I think I would imagine Charlie's going to be pretty good. Well, Archie Manning is not even looking at UT, so I hope he's not any good at all. I hope he's shitty. He's not even heir to the throne. Heir to what throne? He's Cooper's kid. Cooper sucked. He, he's Archie Manning. Seems like it's he's Arch. Go by the way, it's not Archie. Arch, Arch. Arch. My bad. My bad. Well, he has Archie, so I'm just reading this question. So it seems like Arch is going to go to a team that's going to have to play UT. So I hope he sucks. I got no attachment to Arch. Arch can go to hell. I hope Charlie Woods is the best out of this bunch. I am. That would be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool because that you know that even could set the stage for him and his dad actually playing like meaningful golf against each other. Not like we're Tigers at the case of winning, but like just in the tournament, maybe or at least like do some events together. And like you know, you see the golf parents a lot. You know, if he ever won a major, everyone's already talked about like you know him walking up and hugging his dad, kind of recreating Tiger and his dad. That would be and, and him and Tiger, you know, reverse. That would be pretty cool. I I do hope Serena's daughter's good at tennis, though. I think that'd be kind of cool too. I like women's tennis. I like tennis. I think it'd be cool on a world stage. Have you watched King Richard yet? I have not, but it looks good. It's pretty good. Will Smith's best movie in a long, long time. Long, long time for Will Smith. Seems like he's been going through it. He has, but he he bounced back. He did a really good job with King Richard. He uh, nailed the accent. He nailed the uh, the mannerisms, and uh, you know, did a good job. I think he'll probably be nominated for an award. I'd say he'll be nominated for best actor. Not gonna say he's gonna win, but he'll be nominated. King Richard, uh, Serena's dad. Actually, they he seems kind of like a can't decide if he sounds like a psycho or a genius. You familiar with him at all? No, I'm not. You should read about him sometime. I think you'd get a kick out of him. But, like, basically, he had, like, an 80-page plan for raising two tennis champions. He moved them out of, the he moved them out of like, a pretty comfortable neighborhood into the hood in Compton just so they'd be tougher. I, like, I, 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 from the preview, I've seen the preview several times. It seemed like he had, like, a comprehensive plan as tiger's dad did too yeah no it's basically the same thing except like he did it like it with two black girls in compton like i don't think tiger grew up like in bad part of town or anything you know what i mean so like it just it, it's more of, and, and there's two of them and it's tennis which you know faces it's kind of the same obstacles as as golf obviously but like yeah he seems he left his he left his one family to start off with a new family that way he could maybe raise two tennis champions because they weren't good enough basically so like I it's, did not it's, know that. Yeah, he's a very complicated man, but uh, he did success. Well, human beings are. Wait, human beings are. the funniest thing is like he su- succeeded. He accomplished his goal. Like Venus and Serena were that good. He accomplished it. He said he was going to have two champions, and he did. Pretty wild. All like negotiating their contracts and like it. It's a it's a pretty cool movie. You should watch it. It's a good story. You got one more question for us? I, I do. Uh, brother, Tennessee, aka Cargo Shorts Lover. Will Rick Barnes ever trust freshmen, or are we stuck with him, subbing them out after two fouls, not trusting them late with fouls, or playing shitty upperclassmen over them, Yerosh over Huntley Hatfield? I actually thought that he played Chandler a ton with 
2,000, 3,000. Yeah, when Chandler got that fourth, he took him out for a second, but he didn't stay on the bench long. I thought that was like the best Barnes had ever been about playing a guy with fouls. I mean, that's the end of the game. That doesn't really count. But like, I, I don't think of, I don't I don't think of that as a freshman thing. Like he did that to Grant Williams in the NCAA tournament. He put Grant Williams on the bench to start overtime with four fouls. Yeah, I didn't think he did that to Chandler though the other night. He, I mean, he, he did took the fir- him out for a. He, he, he took he took he, Vescovi out or Vescovi, however the fuck you say his name, uh, out in the uh, first half. In the first half, in the first half. But like with Chandler, like he set him for a little bit after he got his fourth foul. Well, well, I want to say like, these are rough estimates of the time, but like I want to say he picked up his fourth foul with like five minutes and thirty nine seconds left. All right, so he takes him out, and then, like, okay, the announcer's like, okay, he's going to let him get to the TV timeout and bring him back in. He didn't bring him back in just then. Right. It was a little bit I want to say we turned the like ball over minutes. again. And I want to say, like, we came out of the TV timeout, turned the ball over. Or, or, there was another dead ball, like, immediately after. I think we turned the ball over, and then he brought Chandler back in. So, I don't think it's a freshman issue, though, again, because, again, Grant Williams was a junior. Yeah, it's not a freshman issue. It's not a freshman issue. Agreed. It's just uh, I don't trust my guys with fouls issue, which is really, really stupid. And, God, dear God, I hope that they approve the, the rule change where they give college players six fouls next year. I thought my point being, I thought that that was not nearly as um, inexcusable what Rick did as compared to other times. Like, obviously, nothing will ever be worse than sitting uh, their back-to-back SEC Player of the Year on the bench at the start of overtime. I didn't think what he did with Chandler the other night was very bad. I thought what he did with Vescovy was much worse. I thought he did with Chandler against Villanova was the worst. I mean, excluding Grant in the tournament. Oh, I'm just talking. I'm just talking about like in the last game, like I thought of the things that happened in the game, like sitting people for fouls, like what he did with Vescovy was much worse. I don't even remember. Oh, I do remember Villanova now because he got that charge foul. And they fouled the like game. A, yeah, like two minutes later, and it was on the bench the whole second half. Um, like obviously, like it is so dumb to play Yorosh over Brendan Huntley Hatfield. It is so dumb to play Kamwa over Huntley Hatfield. Like I've seen enough from Huntley Hatfield's offensive skills to tell, to show me that he needs to be in the game a lot more than he is. Do we want Bronny James to be good? That'd be kind of cool if Bronny was good, but I feel like LeBron would make it too much about himself. LeBron is extremely annoying. But they could go head-to-head and play, maybe, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm kind of like for Bronny to be good, though, but I don't know. All I'm saying is I was rooting really hard for Isaiah Stewart. Landon wants to know what's the worst way to go, drowning or falling into lava? I don't know which is slower. I feel like lava kills you immediately. Yeah, I think so, Lava's too. Lava's so hot, bro. Like, I feel like lava, you burn to a crisp immediately. I feel like you would, like, disintegrate. Like, it's just going to stop your heart. Yeah, that's what I think. Drowning would be worse. Drowning would, To me, drowning would be the worst way to go. Like, oh, well, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, burning alive would be pretty terrible. I don't, I don't think I that I think would... that, like, the weight to burn alive would be worse than the weight to drown, for sure, I think. See, I... Like, if, you, I, if you're I, staring at a wall of lava coming and you have, like, two minutes to just sit there and wait for it, I think that would be worse. Than flowing around the water for two minutes trying to get up? I don't think so. I think so, man. The lava is so hot, man. Like, I just think it would, like, kill your nerves and kill you immediately. But I, I don't know. I hope I'd ever find out. Last question. Gavin wants to know, if you were with a woman and there was a mutual disdain between her and all your friends, would you stay with her? So, basically, your girlfriend or wife, I hopefully, hopefully not wife, we'll just say girlfriend, because if it's your wife, you got to choose your wife. Your girlfriend and your friends all hate each other. Who are you picking? I mean, I think it depends, Gavin. Is she a woman you want to marry? Well, he doesn't know yet. I don't, it's not, I, don't, I don't think this is a personal story for Gavin. I hope not. I hope she's not listening. Um, I hope it's not like this time when Logie wanted to know if he should let that girl move in with him. Um, 
You know, I, Gavin, it just, the woman's going to have to choose you at some point. I feel like pretty much always, always, one of the friends is not going to like you. One or a couple of the friends are not going to like you always because they're jealous that, you know, their friend has found somebody as amazing as, you know, somebody that is a member of the ranch. So, you know, they're always going to be that issue where they're just going to be jealous of their friend for finding someone that is as amazing as you. In this situation, the girl hates the guy friends, not like the guy hating the girlfriends. Yeah, I mean, the guy's disdain for the friends are probably just like a result of them not liking him. Yeah, yeah, okay, so wait, I missed it up. All of his friends hate the girl. Oh, did I misunderstand it? And his girl hates the guy friends. I think we're talking about, like, her friends not liking him, and you said about being jealous that they had... Oh, yeah, okay, and there was... Oh, if all of your friends dislike yeah. her, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there's probably a reason for that, Gavin. There's probably a reason that they dislike her. What do you think that reason would be? Just I don't know. It could be because she's, you know, a, a little bit of a harlot. She could be a harlot. Maybe. Could Gavin, be a skeezer. You know, I know that not slut-shaming is the thing to do in 2021, and I'm not going to go that far as to say it's a good thing. Uh, okay, let's, let's But, you know, maybe she's a harlot, Gavin. I'm not saying that she is, but there just might be a reason. I think I would prefer my 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 girl and my friends to hate each other. That way I could have clear-cut lines. Nothing's worse than if you're dating somebody and you want to just go out with the fellas. And then she wants to tag along. And she thinks yes. that she's a part of the crew. I, I might like but, them hating but, each other. But, that buddy, she, she can eat pizza and watch football just like the guys can. The lines have been drawn. You don't like my friends. They don't like you. How about I go with them? You go with your friends, then we'll circle back around instead of trying to blend them in. Because you, you hate know, them, all... and they know you hate them, and you and they hate you, so let's just do that. Is there anything worse than the woman that's like, well, I like to eat pizza and watch football, too? No. Well, no there are more things. Don't. There are things worse, but you don't there are like plenty to of things that. worse. Genocide. Being a harlot. Being a harlot. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. Have a good night. I love you, too, buddy. Later. See ya. I'm driving there Switching lanes on my way to you I'm calling you You block my number like you always do I feel you here In the shadows of my mind It's killing me That my love for you is blind
Yeah, I'm into it. 